Hey folks, Scott Weingart here, and this is the On Deeper Reflection Podcast. Today, getting things done. The perfect topic for the first episode of this podcast. Let's get right into it. Now, just as a warning, this podcast is 45 minutes, so if you only have 10 minutes to listen, maybe wait till another time, and it makes a lot more sense if you are by a computer to just go to mcrit.org slash gtd and just read through the show notes real quick before listening. All right, let's get to it. And this was spurred uh, when my friend Michelle Lynn asked me to do a piece on how I work smarter. It's a great little project they're doing over at the Allium blog, and it's linked in my show notes for this episode, mcrit.org slash gtd. And in that post, I was asked for the best productivity tip I could offer, and it, and it was easy. Read the book, Getting Things Done, by David Allen. I'll tell you about my history with this book. Up until my last year of residency, I had never been in a situation where I really needed to keep many things in mind in terms of to-do items, in terms of schedule. Basically, I either had to know my class schedule in college or my class schedule in med school, or once I became a resident, I just needed my resident schedule for the month. And that was pretty much it. Anything else that needed to get done would just be a scribbled piece of paper on my desk, or I'd just keep it in my head because there wasn't all that much. And then in my last year of residency, I was the chief resident for uh, conferences and academics, and all of a sudden, you are thrust into middle management. And if you know anything about middle management, it's an area where you have enormous responsibility and really no power. And essentially, if you missed anything, if you uh, forgot something that needed to get done, uh, it would be really, really bad. And I did not have a system, and I was stressed. And at that time, luckily, uh, by happenstance, I came across this book, Getting Things Done. And it just revolutionized the way I handled basically my entire life. I mean, that that's really casting a huge responsibility to one little book, but this one holds up. And I'm not the only one out there saying this. There's thousands, if not millions of people who have read this book, and it just changed the way they handle their life. So obviously, uh, this is a subject of great importance to me, and uh, I figured I'd put it out as one of the podcasts on MCRIT, because I think it may inspire or help some other people as well. And if nothing else, maybe you guys would respond with comments about, oh, I'm totally off base or whatever, and uh, my system could get better. But this book is amazing. I recommend that if you are a salaried employee and not a student, not a resident, you just go and buy it. And even if you don't like it, I bet it will inspire you to really make some changes regardless of what you think of the book. There, I should say, there will be a new edition coming out in three to four months. There hasn't been a new edition, I think, in at least 12 years. So you might decide, oh, I'll just hold off until I think it's March of 2015. I would say it's worth it. Just buy the book now, read it, and then buy the new edition as well. And I'm not getting any money from the author of this book, obviously, but uh, it's just that good. And then uh, another book that is worth reading along these same lines that just came out, just published, called The Organized Mind, goes into all the neuroscience of why I think getting things done as a system works so well. But, you know, I'm, I'm talking it up, but let me really give you the, the basics of what it is and what it does and why I think you should read the book. The first thing I want to discuss is the philosophy of the book overall, because I think it really puts everything else in perspective in terms of the actual nitty-gritty management of the system the book promotes. So the philosophy is that you should strive to have a clear mind because a clear mind eliminates stress and allows creativity. 
And I, I think this is self-evident to anyone who is busy, but uh, there actually is neuroscience behind it. What it comes down to is that our brains are really bad about just keeping things, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. We're, we're bad at that. It gets forgotten or it stresses you out to the point where you can't have creative thought, you can't be relaxed, you can't just chill because you never really could just let go because you're just trying to remember to do things. Oh, crap, I, had, I totally forgot about that paper due tomorrow. Um, that, that shouldn't happen because that's not going to lead to a clear mind. So in order to get that clear mind, you should capture all the things that need to get done into a logical and trusted system outside of your head and off your mind. And discipline yourself to make decisions about all the inputs you let into your life so that you always have a plan for next actions that you can implement or renegotiate at any moment. Now that uh, pretty much comes right from the book and it was uh, altered from the Mind Zone Wiki, and that's linked in the show notes as well. But that's it. That's essentially the philosophy of this book. And that's what I think is so important, is to just get to the point of clear mind so that you don't have to worry that you're missing something, that you've forgotten something, and that is going to avoid stress. And that's pretty much the entire goal of this, is just to lead to the minimum amount of stress while getting the most things done. Now, there are some problems with the book. First of all, uh, there's the author mindset. David Allen is an aficionado of Eastern philosophy. He is a martial artist, and he is a meditator. And so obviously, he pretty much speaks exactly to the things I love. But if that set of things is not your gig, then you might find this a little touchy-feely. Ignore all that. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the system. It's just the way he's chosen to write and the example he's chosen to use. But none of that touchy-feeliness has anything to do with the getting things done system. And you could just ignore it all, and still, that you will lose nothing in that process. All right, the next problem with the book is that it is predicated, at the time it was written, on a paper-based world. Now, there's some little allowances made for the fact of uh, the internet, computers, and electronics, but not really. And he still talks about things like paper files and uh, little folders with you know multiple slots that you could stick things in to remember when to do things for each day of the month and uh, you know the best filing cabinet and the best type of folders for that filing cabinet. And that's all pretty much dead. Uh, again, the system loses nothing by the fact that that was how it was written, but it turns some people off because they're like, I don't want to file cabinet. I don't want to figure out which is the ideal set of folders. You don't need to do any of that. You just need to uh, use uh, the progress we've made in the world and just adapt the overall framework of the system. I hope and I believe when the new edition comes out, then a lot of that stuff will be changed for the new tools we have at our disposal. But the system, the book uh, really promotes has nothing to do with that crap, and uh, you could adapt the system, the tenants, however you want. And then this gets to number three of the problem with the Getting Things Done book, which is even as I'm talking about it now, it sounds a little bit like a cult, like a uh, overriding mental structure that is uh, controlling and annoying, and it's really not like that. If you look at this book as dogma, as things that must be followed exactly and can never be deviated beyond, then it's going to just seem kind of annoying. And that's not how I think any of us who have read the book and, and thought it's changed our life use it. We don't go with a dogmatic approach. We've adapted it to our own uh, way of getting things done, uh, not to use that phrase too often, hopefully, in this podcast. And um, beyond that, you, you obviously slack at times, and then you just come back um, to whatever system you've created. All right, enough, because you don't even know what I'm talking about in terms of problems. Let's, let's talk about what getting things done actually is. There are f essentially five parts to this system. There's collecting, processing, organizing, 
reviewing, and doing. And we're going to go through each of these in turn, and I'll hopefully be able to demonstrate uh, how they actually work in my real world, and then uh, maybe what you could do uh, to adapt them to your own life and system. All right, number one, collection and universal capture. And this is maybe the most important one from my perspective, is I had mentioned earlier, your brain's really bad at remembering things you have to do, remembering that great idea you had for something that uh, could be life-changing, and then uh, you get distracted. You know, your phone rings, and you, or you look down at a text message, and all of a sudden, it's gone, and you're like, oh, crap, that would have been great. Or you're in the shower, or you're about to fall asleep, and something occurs to you, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, I'll remember that, and you won't. You won't. And as you get older, your chances of remembering it become less and less likely. And so therefore, you should always have universal capture, meaning anytime something occurs to you, whether it's a great new idea or something you realize, oh, crap, I forgot about that. I got to get that done. Uh, write it down. Write it down either with pen and paper or uh, with your device that's now ubiquitous. We all are carrying something in our pockets. But get it somewhere outside your head. Now, I always carry index cards. I carry them in my backpack. I carry them in my uh, front pocket when I'm on shift in my scrubs. I always have index cards in that, you know, uh, pen pocket uh, up on your left breast. And I will just uh, scribble down anything that occurs to me. And it's there. And then I'll, I'll process that later. But now I know I don't have to keep it in mind. And I try really hard to write it legibly because there's nothing more frustrating than having a great idea or something you have to get done, writing it down, and then realizing you can't read your own handwriting. And then beyond just writing it down, sometimes I will pull out my iPhone, especially if it's already in my hand. And for that, I have an app called Drafts. And if you are on the iOS, Drafts is a must-buy. you got to pay a little money for it. I think it's 5 bucks, But it is worth it, game-changing. What this does is it is an app that when it opens, you would just have a cursor and you could just start typing. And if you then close your iPhone, it stays there. But the other thing Drafts brings is a huge outlet of places that what you just wrote can be sent to. And one of them on the top of my list is uh, sent to me by email. We'll talk about why that's there. And it just sends me a message. I don't have to type in my own address. It just sends me a message with whatever I've just written. Or, you know, it could be uh, tweeted out. It could be a text message. It could be sent to your system that has your to-do items, which we'll talk about in a second. It doesn't matter. You could send that stuff anywhere. But what it does is it's, instead of figuring out where something should go and then writing what that something is, you write what the something is and then figure out where it could go. Or you could figure out where it should go later. But the whole point of it is, is that you need to get that idea out first and then figure out where it needs to be. And for that, drafts is just game-changing. I highly recommend you have it. So with those two things, index cards and drafts, I now have universal capture. I have uh, the ability to get things outside my head. Now, it may be in a form that I can't do anything with it right now. Uh, I'm not going to deal with that right now. That's okay. Because anything I capture is going to be collected in an inbox. Now, you should have as many inboxes as you need, but as few inboxes as it's possible to get away with. Because every inbox you add becomes a source of frustration and something you have to keep going through. So what do I mean by inboxes? Well, there's actually, you know, the, the meat space inbox, which is actual pieces of paper need to go somewhere. So you know you have to process them. And that could be just an area on your desk. It could be the floor next to your desk. It could be an actual inbox from the office days where people had like wire mesh 
boxes where, you know, you'd stick crap in. It doesn't matter. You just need one place where all actual papers are put before you process them. For me, personally, I just throw them next to my desk because I find that annoying to have them on the floor, and I keep stepping on them, and that forces me to process them. So that's what I do. And another type of inbox is your email inbox. Now, this is a virtual inbox, and that is pretty much my source for all virtual items, I send them to my email inbox because then I'm forced to process them because I open up my box and there's, uh, you know, 100 messages, I got to get them out. So it forces me. There's other places virtually you could put them, but then you may not get to them and items may be missed and then all of a sudden you're away from clear mind because you're like, oh crap, I bet there's a whole bunch of stuff in blank that I just didn't deal with yet. And dealing with this stuff is what gives you that clear mind. And then I have one more inbox I use. It's called Pocket. It's a web app and an iOS app. But essentially anything I read on the web that I don't want to really read in depth right now, there's a little button in my web browser or on the iOS I could just uh, go to that little send to link. And as a result, I know I'll get to that because it's in my Pocket inbox and I'll process it at some point. I know it's there, but I don't have to do it right now because I don't have time to really read the article. I don't have time to uh, really go through it with the depth I'd want, and so I'll do it later. So those are my three inboxes, email, papers next to my desk, and pocket. All right, so that was part one, collection slash universal capture. Part two is processing that stuff because now you have a whole lot of crap, but you, you don't really know what to do with it. And that's really the essence of getting things done is processing now anything that comes across your world. And processing means figuring out what it is and what you want to do about it. So processing takes this stuff that's just unfiltered and makes it either useful or out of your life. So the first part of processing is to ask what that item in your inbox actually is. And the way it's worded in getting things done is, is it an action? Is it something non-actionable you want to keep, like a reference item? Or is it crap or spam? And obviously, if it's crap or spam, just throw it away. Just get it out of your life, whether it's paper, whether it's an email, just get rid of it. If it's an action, we'll talk about what to do with it. And if it's a reference item, if it's something you may want to keep, but there's nothing you need to do with it, you just want to put it somewhere, then put it somewhere now and put it somewhere, hopefully, that you could find it again later. All right, let's talk about processing items that turn out to be actions, meaning you got to do something about them. So the first part of processing is to decide if you want to actually do it, you don't want to do it, or you want to delegate it to someone else. And once you've made one of those three decisions, and obviously if you uh, don't want to do it, again, throw it away. If you're going to delegate it, send it out, and then put something on your system to remind yourself to check up whether it was actually done, uh, or you've decided you want to do it. And if you decide you want to do it, the next question to ask is, can you get it done in two minutes or less? And if you can, you probably should just do it now because the amount of time it will take to put it in a system to do it later is probably going to be that same two minutes. You might as well just get it done. If it's something you just rail off and get done, then do it right now. If you can't get it done in two minutes, then you have to ask yourself, is it a project? Now, in the getting things done world, a project is any action that's going to take more than one step. And if it's going to take more than one step, then it's considered a project. And he treats projects a little differently than uh, things you need to do that you could just get done with one step. Either way, 
you should ask yourself, what is the physical next action that must occur to bring you to completion or one step closer to completion in terms of project? That's really the processing. As opposed to putting on a list somewhere, uh, get a home mortgage, you actually have to ask yourself first, what is the next step to getting the mortgage that you want for your new house? And actually think it through now so that every time you look at your list, it's not, oh crap, I, I better get a mortgage because you haven't determined what you actually need to do to get there and it's gonna stress you out every time you look at it as opposed to, you know, call my friend Jim because he had mentioned that he had a, a great guy for mortgages and that'll be your next action is, you know, call Jim about my mortgage uh, because Jim will then give you your next action which is here's the guy, call him up and so as a result, you've now processed what you have to do. You don't have time to call Jim right now but when you look at that list, you're like, oh, wow, I have a few minutes now. Let me get on the phone with Jim and, and make that happen. And that's your next action towards the project of getting a home mortgage. And this processing now of the physical next action is a huge eliminator of stress. Now, what uh, David Allen would tell you is that you should have a separate list of projects and next actions. And now for some things, for big ticket items, I'll do that. And I'll show you in just a little bit on both the site and in uh, this discussion how I go about separating out projects and next actions. But sometimes, if something really is a project, but it's not like a huge deal, it's something that you know maybe has three or four steps and I really don't wanna add uh, a project heading, it's not worth that amount of importance attributed to it, I'll, I'll do uh, a bastardization of the getting things done technique. And on my next actions list, I'll just say, uh, do this in order to. And the do this is the next action and the order to is really the project. And therefore it's all there in one and I don't need a, a, a heading in my system. And the system thing I'm talking about will make a lot more sense, I think, in just a second. But that way, I, I keep my project list really short. David Allen, when he talks about it, has like 200, 300 projects. Because in his world, anything you want to do with more than one step is a project. And I just find that annoying, and it's annoying to sift through, so I don't do that. Uh, I just have bastardized my next actions to include the project in it. So, for instance, and I, I, these are silly, but I, I have a little picture here for the person that inspired this, which was at the marktaw.com site. And it's pick the CDs for ripping to MP3s in order to make the party mix for that uh, big dinner party I have coming up. So the, the dinner party is the project and, and ripping those MP3s is what's going to get me in the next action to planning that thing. And sure, you can make a, a heading in your project list of dinner party two weeks from now, but I just think that's stupid. So this is the way I would get it done for those little things. But essentially, you're processing for either do it, don't do it, delegate it. And if you can't do it in two minutes, you put it in your system and it goes in your system as a next action that is the next thing you need to accomplish to get you closer to that task either being done or one step closer to being done. That was action processing. Reference processing are things you want to keep, things you want to have, but don't require a next action. For instance, like uh, I have a list of restaurants I want to eat in the next time I go to Seattle, and it was from one of the food magazines, and it, I don't need to do anything with that. You know, if I'm going to Seattle, I'd like to see that list. Well, then you need to put it somewhere you could find it again. Now, David Allen in his book would put it in a filing cabinet. My whole world revolves around 
no paper. I hate paper. I've gone from like multiple filing cabinets to one draw where I have pieces of paper that can't exist in any other form except paper. And even that filing cabinet, I think it's a quarter full. It's one draw of a of a filing cabinet. The rest I have filled with just like crap that are, you know, little wires from my tech gadgets because I don't need draws full of paper anymore. I don't want paper. I don't even want real books anymore because it just becomes cludge to your life. If you have to move your house and you have to pack up all your books, you realize, I really, really don't want it. And the only books I keep now are just things that are so beautiful in terms of their book form as opposed to the actual knowledge contained that I want to keep them almost as a form of art, you know, like the uh, Edward Tufte books, for instance, or some of the paintings uh, collected in book form. Uh, but otherwise, I don't want anything made of paper. It drives me crazy. Uh, it just collects dust, and it's stuff you have to sift through, and it's not easily searchable. Getting rid of paper. And there's two things that have made that happen. And these two things have allowed me to put all my reference material in a form that it does not take up space. The first one is Evernote. I think one of the most powerful programs out there. And Evernote is basically just a virtual filing cabinet. And you can make little individual draws with either notebook headings or tags. And I don't do any of that. And you'll know what I mean if you uh, just download the free version of the software. But essentially, I just throw anything reference into Evernote because I know I could find it. The search function is so good if you understand uh, some of the search parameters that anything I throw in there, I'll be able to find. If you uh, upgrade to the premium version as opposed to the free version, uh, it will actually search the words in anything you put into it, whether they're in digital form or just a scanned piece of paper. And as a result, I'm not only searching for the title of anything I throw in there, I'm actually searching the words contained in any document any picture even, if you have the premium service, you put it to Evernote. So I now trust it enough that I know if I throw anything in there, I will always be able to find it. I have an email address set up so that I could just forward emails to Evernote, and now anything attached to that email is there. I have a box on my desktop on my computer. If I drag something in there, it now goes into Evernote automatically. I don't even have to open the program. And so I just throw everything reference into Evernote, and I know I'll be able to find it as long as I remember, oh wait, there was that great article on Seattle restaurants, and now I'm going to Seattle, I'll just search for Seattle restaurants, and boom, it comes up, and I don't need to keep those, you know, stapled together pages from the magazine in a filing cabinet anymore. Now, the next step you need in order to make this work is you need to get all the things from Meatspace, you know, real piece of paper, into Evernote, and that means a scanner, and uh, I hated scanners, I hated those flatbed things you had to keep you know, putting a page on, then turning it over, and then doing the next page and hitting start. And I hated scanning, and that's why I still had papers. That was when I still had filing cabinets. And then the ScanSnap scanner from Fujitsu came along, and it all changed. Uh, if you don't know what this is, just click on, click on the link in the show notes, and you will see this is a duplex scanner, meaning if you put a piece of paper in, it scans both sides. You could put 70 pieces of paper in all at once. It will scan them all. It will either generate a PDF, which is my preferred format, or images, or whatever you want. And I just, uh, you could even set it up to scan directly into Evernote. I don't do that. It, it creates a PDF on my desktop. I look at the PDF, and then I drag it into that Evernote folder on my desktop. And now, all of a sudden, I could throw out the papers. I do this with all my tax documents. I do this with everything that I care about that I want to keep, but I don't want to have in paper form, and now all of a sudden, I have no papers in my world, and I'm a happy man. 
All right, so, so far we talked about collection, we talked about processing, now let's talk about organization. And essentially, for any items you need to do, but you're not going to do right now because you can't do them in two minutes or less, they need to go in a system. And the system will determine your ability to feel you've gotten all your crap out of your mind and therefore don't have to worry about anything because you can just check your system. You have to trust your system. And essentially, the system needs uh, two parts. You need a calendar and you need a task management system. Let's talk about the calendar first. I use GCal, Google Calendar, on my iOS devices, the way I interact with it is fantastical. Uh, I think it's just the coolest app ever because you could put things in real natural language and it processes it to a task. So I could say, meet with Peter next week at 2 p.m., just typing that in and it, it figures out who Peter is, uh, where on the calendar that next week is, uh, if I say one week from today, for instance, and I, the time, and it just puts it all into an actual Google Calendar format without me having to do anything. And it's, it's really cool to watch. Uh, the only things that go on your calendar, only things that go on your calendar are things that absolutely must happen at the date and time you put on your calendar. Not things that maybe you want to do next week, but could be done, you know, three days later or two weeks later or whenever you get to it. Uh, not things that are just a, a reminder that maybe you want things to happen around this time of the year. They're things that are absolutely hard-coded to that particular date or time. And as a result, uh, you know you can't get them done at any other time. So like meetings or uh, you're speaking at a conference or you are going out to dinner with friends, those go on your calendar because they can't happen at any other time. Everything else should go in your task system. The task system I use is Nirvana. You can find it linked in the, in the show notes. Uh, Nirvana HQ is what to put into Google if you want to find it. And that's because I'm still on PC. I haven't found anything good on PC specific to the PC. So Nirvana is a web-based app uh, that also I could use on my iOS devices. If you're a Mac person, you probably should look into OmniFocus from the Omni Group. Both of these work wonderfully with the GTD system. They're pretty much custom built for getting things done. Now what goes into my system is all of the things I need to get done, but I'm not doing right now. And so my system has a few parts to it. And you'll see a picture of my sidebar of my Nirvana that I think explains this much better than I will in words. So take a look. But I have an inbox. It, it's called an inbox, but that's where I leave all my next actions is in my inbox. And therefore, anything that's not connected with a project, that's where I'm going to find it. And they actually have a link called Next that takes all of your next actions for a project and all your inbox stuff and puts it in one place. So any given time, if I want to find the landscape of things I need to do, I just go to that Next link and I have no problem knowing here's the things I need to do. Then it has a waiting list or waiting section. And these are things that you have delegated to someone else or your ability to get the next step in the project done is reliant on someone else doing something first. And I put anything like that into this waiting section. And then each week I just check it. And then I'm like, oh crap, they still haven't gotten back to me. And I shoot them an email. So it spurs me to make sure that things I've delegated to someone else, you know, like their chapter has to get done before I could do my chapter. Uh, they all go there. And now I have it in a trusted system. And you could just drag and drop with both of these from uh, a next action to a waiting, and therefore it becomes super easy to get things changed in terms of their situation. There's a scheduled section, and these are for things that you would ordinarily put on your calendar but don't have a hard lock on a particular date and time. Because now, if I can't get something done till eight months from now, um, but yet I don't want it on my calendar because it doesn't have to happen at exactly eight months from today. It could happen at eight months, eight and a half months, nine months. 
I'll schedule it as a task and it won't appear in my next actions until that period of time uh, elapsed. So at the eight month mark, all of a sudden it pops into my next action section and therefore I don't see it. It doesn't bother me until I could actually act on it or until I've decided I want to consider acting on it. And then the next section of actions are someday actions, things that I don't want to do now, but I really do want to do at some point in life or, you know, a year from now, two years ago from now, but I, I'm not decided I'm going to do it. So it doesn't need to go in a scheduled section. And I just throw everything I can think of in there. That list is cluttered with all sorts of crap and I'll clean it out once a year, but there's no reason not to put anything you're even remotely interested in, in that list. And you know, all the courses you want to take someday, all the things you want to do with your life someday, you know, uh, I'd, I'd love to go back and, and start taking a martial art hardcore again. Uh, after reading uh, Josh Waitzkin's book, The Art of Learning, which I will talk about in the podcast soon, I actually uh, would love to learn Tai Chi. Well, I don't need to do it right now. I'm way too busy. I don't have time for it, but I'd love to learn it to do it someday. So it's in that list. There's a, a project section, and when you look at mine, you'll see I, there's maybe 12 projects. David Allen had 200, and that's because, like I said, I don't like making things projects unless they have multiple steps and they're a big, big ticket item, uh, things that I really, really need uh, a lot, a lot of steps. And I might have 30 or 40 steps of things I've brainstormed in those project items. If it's just two or three, I don't make it a project. And you could see the things that are on my mind uh, in that sidebar uh, on the MCRIT podcast, mcrit.org slash GTD. There's one item Nirvana has that I love that's not canonical GTD, and it's called focus. And it's the things on my next actions that I really need to get done soon, or they're really important, even if I have a little bit more time. There are things I want to focus on. Now, that is against the GTD method. Uh, the GTD method is uh, you never focus on anything in particular. You just, at any given time, given your uh, state of relaxation, your state of creativity, where you are, what you have in front of you, what David Allen calls context, then you just pick your next thing you want to do. I don't necessarily think that works with an academic medicine lifestyle. There are definitely things I need to focus on that are more important. And so I could just drag things into focus. They still stay on my next actions list. But it's if I at any given time have to ask myself, huh, what do I really need to get done in the next few days? I know I could just look at the focus list and pick a big ticket item from there because it's more important than the other items. And that's the only state of importance I add to my actions is either their focus or they're just do it and there's no other priority list. There's not, this is a level one, this is a level two. I, it's way too granular. It's just, are they a focus item or are they not? And everything that's not is on the next actions list. Now, how do I interact with this tax manager? Well, I have it on my iPhone, so I could always just uh, go and look at everything there. And that's how I actually do uh, the reviewing of this uh, trusted system for my to-do actions. I, I rarely use it on my computer. I usually do it on my iPhone or on my iPad. And OmniFocus is just beautiful for that, but I haven't moved to Mac yet. And the other thing is I have an email address set up on my Nirvana account that lets me forward any email I want to turn into a next action. So I don't have to actually log in and or go onto my iPhone and type something and I just forward it. And, and this is where it gets really cool. I have a drafts action. I told you drafts on the uh, iPhone that I could write something like, here's the next action I need to do. And then just hit one button on drafts. And now through the use of that email address, it's now in my Nirvana 
without any stress at all. It's just one click after I type it into drafts and it's there. And that's that blocking of obstructions to process make things so much easier. All right, so, so far we've talked about collection, we've talked about processing, we've talked about organizing. Number four in the GTD system is reviewing. And I think David Allen would tell you this is the most important part, is the review. In the book, he goes through how to review everything to make sure you're not missing anything and therefore getting that clear mind. And there are daily reviews, there are weekly reviews. Uh, for me, there are quarterly reviews every three months, and then there's yearly reviews. And well, I'll go through each one. Daily review. Every day, I come home, and I hang out with my boy, I put him to sleep, I hang out with my wife, and then I try to carve out five minutes, either right before I chill out with a book or a movie, because I stay up super late, so usually my wife and boy are asleep, and now I'm going to uh, read a book, usually fiction, at this point in, in the night, or I'm going to watch a movie. I love movies. Try to watch everything that gets uh, put out there. Uh, before I do all that, because I want to really just be done with any mental activity that's not fun for the day, I do my daily review. And here's what I try to do. I try to process all my email. And this doesn't mean that I'm deleting or archiving all my email. I'm not, I, Inbox Zero, and I mentioned this in the uh, Allium blog piece, it's not really about having zero emails in your box. It's about having nothing sitting in your email that's been unprocessed from the GTD perspective, the stuff I've talked about above. Uh, there's nothing undecided that hasn't been put elsewhere. So if you haven't made a decision about something someone emailed, do you like, do you want to come to come to Ireland and give a conference? Uh, I decided yes and was just in Dublin last week. But uh, there was a while when uh, the folks from the uh, Irish Emergency Medicine Society had sent me email, do I have time to go to Dublin? And I don't know. So I just processed that email by by archiving it, and then putting in my Nirvana section, you know, decide if I want to go to Dublin or not. And, and now I don't have to look at that email anymore and decide, oh, crap, I really should decide about it, uh, because now it's, it's in my system. So that's what processing email means. It doesn't mean, necessarily mean the box is zero. It means you haven't touched something in your email that you haven't either decided about right at that moment or put somewhere else to decide about. Number two, I try to kill all the paper that I've accumulated during the day. All those index cards I was writing on all day long with things I want to remember or do or a link to something. Uh, I try to get all of that out. Either I will put it in pocket, I'll put it in Nirvana, or I will just uh, cross it out because I don't care about it anymore. Try to clean off uh, my desktop and all the papers next to my desktop. Like I told you, I hate paper. I try to get rid of them. I look at my calendar for the next day and see, is there any appointments that I have to remember? Any, uh, I'm going to record a podcast episode. Oh, crap, I didn't even prepare for that. Well, you know, that's going to ruin my TV or movie watching time, but at least now I'm not figuring out the next day and I'm, I'm really up a creek. So that's why you got to look at your calendar each day. And then I look at, at my focus and next action section of Nirvana, just glance through them. Is there anything that I really need to do tomorrow? And then this is also not canonical GTD, but this is really the way I've adapted it that's worked so well is I make a to-do card. And now this could just be an index card, or I actually uh, just go went to the copy center and I had made a little template and I got them printed as business cards. And that, they're not even as big as an index card. They're a little, in the, they're a little uh, business card size thing. And you could see it on the 
the show notes, mkurt.org slash gtd. And it's just a, a business card that is blank on one side, giving me a whole bunch of space to write things down. And on the other side, there's just three boxes with a little uh, checkbox next to them. And those are the three things that I want to accomplish the next day. If I accomplish those three things, uh, I call it a win. And anything else beyond that is just bonus. And these are usually things that I need to get done that next day, or it would be great if I could. And I just write from my focus and next actions section, the three things I want to accomplish the next day. And one of those three things might just simply be uh, call Citibank and cancel a credit card, something that will take you know, no time at all, but I can't do it right now because they're, they're not open. And uh, I just have it there. And if I've accomplished that and check it off, I, I call that a win of one of three items. I try to accomplish at least three things each day. Some things may be major, some things not so much uh, at all. And yeah, sure, sometimes I'll subdivide those boxes, each one into two, and accomplish four, five, six things. But if you think you're going to accomplish more than six things in a day, really, if you think you're going to accomplish more than three, you're deluding yourself, and you're setting yourself up for failure. So if each day you just say, these are the three things I need to get done, and you do them, you feel great about life, and you've made progress. And if you do three things each day for an entire year, you've made an enormous amount of productivity happen. So I just write out those cards. Here's the three big ticket items. If it's a, someone I need to call, then I'll put the phone number there so I don't have to look it up. And I have that little card. And now I put that card in my pocket. I know these are the three things I need to get done. And then on the back, if there's uh, thoughts that occur to me, I can write them down there because index cards don't fit as nicely into pockets of your jeans. And uh, if I'm on shift, that'll be in my scrub pocket as well with some blank index cards. And then the last thing I do on that daily review is I pack all the items I need for the next day. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't have to struggle to realize, oh, crap, I, I need to bring a camera today because I'm going to do some shooting or some movies. Uh, I'll put it all in my bag the night before. I'll have it all set up. And if there's any big items you need to bring, don't think you're going to remember to bring them. Stick them next to the door because otherwise you'll forget them. But if, uh, if you put them inside the door that leads out of your house, then you can't open the door without stumbling across them. And this obviously only works if you're single or your significant other knows why those items are there and will uh, you know, leave them in a place that you could actually uh, see that there as you're walking out. But, but that keeps me from forgetting things. And sometimes I'll put a post-it note on the outside, you know, the door that leads outside my house with, oh crap, you better remember to start up the crock pot or whatever, whatever you need to do that you're going to forget. Because this again is externalizing these items so that you don't have to keep them in mind. And that's daily. Weekly review. Well, you really, if you want this system to work and you want your life to be good, should set aside like two hours every week. And I usually do it on Sundays, but you could do it, you know, whenever. But I do every Sunday, if I can, if I'm not gone out of the country, I'll set aside two hours for a weekly review. And this is where you really, really look into all the things that are coming in the week ahead. And I get rid of any loose papers that are still rotting in my inbox. I process all my notes. I... Uh, look at my calendar for the items that are coming up in the next week or couple weeks and see, oh, wow, that, that's coming up. I probably should get that done. If I see, you know, three weeks out, because I'll look around, probably around a month ahead each week. Oh, wow, that's that conference I'm giving. I haven't even done the PowerPoint yet. Um, and I realize there's nothing in that next action section about it. Well, now I put it there. Start working on the PowerPoint for, you know, that conference. And now it's there. And now, while it's still stressful that I have to do it, it's not stressful that I have to remember to do it because every day I'm going to be reviewing now, oh, is it really time to start that PowerPoint yet? Each week, I review my project list. I don't do this each day, but each week I do, and then I determine, is there anything I should be moving forward with in the week coming for that project? 
I look at my waiting for list. I don't do that each day. Each week I do it. Look at the waiting for list, and now I'll send out reminder emails to people that are supposed to be getting me stuff and they haven't yet. And I'll review my someday maybe list uh, some weeks. I'll do this certainly quarterly, but some weeks I'll look at the someday maybe. Is there anything I should be taking on now? And then that's basically it. I'll I'll make sure the system is all working. Usually by this point, at the end of the week, I I haven't been doing daily reviews every day. I really am not dogmatic about this stuff. And so I'll make sure if I've fallen off the wagon that I'll, I'll come back and get everything set up. So that way I start off each Monday feeling really in control of life. Quarterly, I just pretty much do what I do weekly, but I just really look through everything. Every project list gets looked through, someday maybe. And I might be looking where I'm going for the year. Am I in the right place? Am I missing out on things I said I wanted to get accomplished this year? And then yearly review is really about vision and life. Are you in the right place? Are you happy with your job? Is your family working out the way you want it to be? Is Are you generating happiness? Or should you think about changing things up on a big scale? Should you be moving to a different state? Should you be choosing a different job? Should you be getting your kid out of the school he's in and putting him in a different school because he's really not happy? This happens yearly. It's about vision. It's about life. David Allen has some uh, semi-douchey terms for how to process this. I'm not even going to repeat them here because they may turn you off. But read the book and you'll see if you like them or not. But basically, yearly is when you determine the big items in life. All right, so so far we talked about one through four. One, collection. Two, processing. Three is organizing. Four is reviewing. Five is actually doing. And by the true David Allen method, uh, the doing is supposed to happen almost naturally. Um, I told you I'm non-canonical. I actually figure out what I want to do for the next day to some extent. But for the most part, if you have this level of, of organizing, you really are offloading all these things out of your mind, what you want to do next in our world of academics just happens naturally. You've, you know, the night before you looked at the things that are on your next action list and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that paper is coming up to its due date. And then the next day, you know, your, your, your boy is at school and your, your wife is out there somewhere and you're like, huh, I actually have a few hours. I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I exercised and well, maybe it's time to tackle that paper. Let's let's start working on it. And you do. And it's it's just this natural inclination to the work that needs to get done at any given moment based on where you are. And that's that's where things come from. And maybe what you'll do during those two hours instead is just brainstorm. Just think about things. And and that's what this system allows you to do is your mind clears up and therefore what needs to get done or what doesn't need to get done in any given moment happens naturally. And that's basically it. Those are the five parts of the system. Universal capture slash collection, processing those items that go into your virtual or actual inboxes, organizing the things you're not going to do right now into either an action list or a reference item section, reviewing to make sure you're not missing something or things need to change in where they are in the hierarchy, and then actually getting things done, doing So maybe you like this. Maybe this sounds reasonable. Maybe you start believing me that having a clear mind leads to a much better life and you want to know how to get started. Well, obviously you could buy the book. And even if you didn't want to buy the book, there's so much on GTD on the internet, you could get by without it. But the first thing that has to occur if you want to get into this is what's called the initial dump. And this, you really should, if you want to do it right, just 
pick one of your days off and make it your dump day. You only have to do this once, though if you fall off the wagon a lot, then you might have to just redo this. But the initial dump is you take everything going on with your life, every project, every piece of paper that exists in your world, every thought that's been nagging, every worry you have, and you put them down on paper or you type them out and you stick them in your inbox and now you'll be able to process those and get them into your systems. There is a trigger list for all the things that may be nagging worries that won't immediately occur to you that you should look through because this will force you to do the dump right. But basically, the initial brain dump gets everything out of your mind and onto paper or onto uh, a document so that you could process them and really put them where they need to go. If you go to the show notes, mcrit.org slash DTD, you'll find a bunch of flowcharts from David Allen that really put everything I've said into pictorial form. I have some links to other people's way of getting this done. I've told you mine, getting things done, getting things done. But, you know, theirs may be interest to you too. You'll see the links for Smack 2015. The last thing I want to leave you with, and I know this is about an hour-long lecture, and this is different than uh, my normal quick podcast, but hopefully it's been enjoyable, is if MCRIT is helpful to you. If you get medical information that has changed the way you approach patients, if you've used the things I've talked about, and you are a salaried person, whether you're a working, attending, or a consultant, or you're a paid nurse or a paid medic, by which I mean you're not a student, you're not a resident, you're not a registrar, and you're not in a country where they do not pay their healthcare professionals anything that's worth talking about. If you're a person who's doing okay, then please, please support MCRIT. Come on over to cme.mcrit.org. Not because you need the CME, but because you think MCRIT is valuable and support the show. Because uh, we're at the point now where it is no longer sustainable just based as a hobby. Uh, we are in big bandwidth. We are in big hosting fees. And I, I need your help to support the show. This podcast works on the public radio model which means it's free. It's going to be free forever, but donations are what keep it afloat, and I need your help. Please come over to cme.mcrit.org. I don't bother you. I didn't put this one in the front of the show. I didn't want to, I hate doing these these public radio spots, but uh, I, I need your help. If you were a subscriber, I love you. Uh, please consider resubscribing if your subscription has lapsed, and I will leave you alone about it now. Let me know in the comments if this was in any way helpful. I'm not going to start moving away from medicine on the MCRIP podcast. It's going to be all medical all the time. This is a one-off. Um, but in the future, if you think this was helpful, I may uh, actually put out a separate productivity show specifically on these topics. So let me know in the comments. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to know your system if you think you have one that works for you that's different. Scott Weingart saying bye-bye. Hey there, on Deeper Reflection listeners. Before I disappear... In addition to podcasting, I am a physician and clinician performance coach, and that means I work with clients to deal with issues of burnout, to deal with issues of not being as happy as they'd like at their job, but also on the positive side. I work with people that are already performing at an amazing level, but they want to increase their productivity, their performance, their joy in life, their what we call eudaimonia, their flourishing. And so from all these different bents in a wide variety of possible situations, uh, I could work with you to make your life better. If that sounds interesting, if that sounds appealing, if it sounds like something that would make your life better, both in your job and outside it, then get in touch at mcrit.org 
slash coach. That's E-M-C-R-I-T dot org slash coach. And that'll take you to the page where you'll see all the variety of coaching that I offer and how to take the next step to make your life better. So mcrit, E-M-C-R-I-T dot org slash coach. Bye. Bye.